My name is Sharon, and I'm bipolar. This is Polarized, a podcast series that aims to treat my personal experience with bipolar disorder as both a bug and a feature. I collected a variety of questions about bipolar disorder and recorded different segments of the show at different points in a bipolar cycle. This is the Hypomanic episode. I can't speak for anyone but myself. My experience is my own, and it isn't the same as anyone else's, even with the same diagnosis. At the same time, this is kind of a snapshot. My feelings during one pretty mild, well-controlled episode. This isn't to say that things never get worse. It's still hard for me to share this information publicly. There's a lot of negative stigma out there. And I know that when I share like this, I'm opening myself up to it, both now and in the future. I aim to be an honest and open person. It's not always easy for me, but I definitely can't claim to be radically honest in one breath and then not share such an important piece of myself. I always try not to make excuses for myself, so why not share this part of me with everyone? In the time I've been in treatment, I've been almost entirely stable. Therapy, medication, and other coping tools help me remain mostly level most of the time. It's so important to me to share this part of my life, but it's also important to me that other people understand that I am managing a treatable illness. I'm aware of how it affects me, I'm responsible for my behavior, and I'm proactive about how it impacts other people. But that wasn't always the case. I definitely have some regrets about the early years after I started experiencing symptoms. There are people who I pushed away who I would have liked to be closer to. There were so many opportunities I passed up because I wasn't well enough. And honestly, I'm still one of the lucky ones. I managed to get things under control before they got out of hand. Bipolar can be a progressive disorder. Symptoms can get worse over time, especially if someone is left untreated. My psychiatrist recently shared with me that long-term studies indicate that between 5 and 15% of patients who are initially diagnosed with bipolar 2, the milder form, go on to have their diagnosis changed to bipolar 1 the more intense form, over time. And it's easy for me to say that it's important for me to stay on my meds and go to therapy and stay in touch with my doctors because those things are within reach for me. For a lot of people like me, things like meds and therapies and even seeing a doctor just isn't possible. A lot of people don't have the support structures that I benefit from. Even when it gets really hard, I try to remember that I'm just so lucky, so privileged, and that that reflects in my experience as well. I'm always afraid that if I share like this, people might think I'm looking for attention. The exact opposite is true. I've always been really uncomfortable being the focus of attention, and I had a hard time deciding to go ahead with this project. In most ways, I'm barely scratching the surface of life with mental illness, but it's also deeply personal. I guess what I'm really trying to say here is to always be kind, because we never really know what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes.
I should also probably share some background about where I was mentally when I was recording this show. Some segments were recorded on either an up or a downswing. I didn't plan it to work out that way. After all, if I could just will my mental state into cooperating with what I'd like, this illness probably wouldn't be an issue for me. But I did decide to point out the segments of the episodes that may not have been recorded when I was at my best. The difference may not be noticeable. After all, this was a relatively mild cycle. Most of them are, if I'm taking care of myself. The biggest exception to that is times of extreme stress. When something serious is going on in my life, I tend to deal pretty well in the moment. And then just when things are starting to look up and other people are starting to move on, that's when stuff gets difficult for me. I sometimes joke around about it, but it's also when I'm the least in control. My various coping strategies are helpful, but my brain seems to have a mind of its own, and I haven't gotten out from under the shadow of my bipolar since, really since it onset, but definitely since it was diagnosed. It's hard for me to look back on things before, and by that I mean before bipolar, because even when things were hard, and life is hard for everyone sometimes, things were always easier than they are now. Even when things are going pretty well, I can't deny that I worry. I worry about what if it doesn't get better. I worry about what if it does get worse. And I worry a lot about the people that I care about. I feel like most people are pretty understanding when it comes to depression. And even when I struggle to function normally, or to get out of bed, or to meet up with my friends, I at least know that I'm not likely to hurt anyone's feelings, or worse. Of course, there's always the risk that depression could get out of hand, but what I really worry about is hypomania. Or worse, if I were to develop a full manic episode. It's so easy in that state to carelessly say something that could hurt someone's feelings, or to make another careless mistake that could get someone hurt. I would hate for someone to listen to me on an upswing, describing what it's like to be on an upswing, feeling great, and think that that's what it is, that's what it feels like. Especially since I don't think I mentioned any of the really strong negatives that I also experience. Intense panic attacks, over-the-top irritability, and if I'm being totally honest, a tendency to not make great decisions about substance use are all part of the picture as well. It sure as hell ain't normal, but we deal. The rest of this episode was recorded during a spontaneous period of hypomania. Racing thoughts and speech are both common symptoms of manic or hypomanic episodes. A lot of conscious thought went into slowing myself down and trying to finish my thoughts before moving on. Editing this episode was a challenge. Definitely didn't make it easy for myself. In fact, I was quite dismayed to find that a lot of what I recorded sounded like this. Oh, what was I trying to say? I don't even know. Or even worse, like this. Have you ever been standing in line at a Starbucks? Well, I guess it doesn't have to be a Starbucks. It could be any coffee shop. But if you've ever been standing in line at a coffee shop and you're waiting and... And you realize you have no idea where this analogy was going. <laughs> and now that I've complained a bit about myself, I think it's time to cut right to the point. Okay, episode two, let's go. 
Um, first, let's talk a bit about hypomania. What it is, what it isn't. Um, hypomania is typically experienced by sufferers of bipolar 2. Full-blown mania is associated with bipolar 1 and is much more dangerous. It's considered a medical emergency, whereas hypomania is enough to impair your functioning, but not generally enough to cause dangerous effects like psychosis. Hypomania is a period of elevated mood. Somebody who's hypomanic will typically feel good. They will talk more. They will talk fast. They will make decisions more confidently, which does lead to decision making that is more impaired. You would start to see some disconnect with reality on the more extreme end. Um, somebody who feels really good and thinks they're being really productive and thinks they're making good decisions when they are actually quite ill and they are... And depending on, for me, depending on how that goes, I would either crash back into a depression or level out into kind of a stabilized period in between before the whole cycle starts again. Kind of the opposite side of hypomania is depression. Somebody with bipolar type 2, like me, would generally spend more time. The most significant part, as far as time goes, of the cycle is going to be spent depressed. So the cycle would typically go a period of depression. This can be weeks, months, some people say years. And then an elevated period, a hypomanic period, where things feel great and you feel great and you're not actually great. There are a lot of other conditions, especially mental health conditions, that can be comorbid with bipolar. The Oxford Dictionary defines comorbid as the simultaneous presence of two or more diseases or medical conditions in a patient. Bipolar is often comorbid with, say, an anxiety disorder or post-traumatic stress. And that is the case for me. I do have several comorbid disorders. Um, I'm not going to get into that today. When I was starting to switch from the medications I had been previously using unaffectively for depression to the medications I now take for bipolar, is that the depression medications worked a lot better for my anxiety, and as a result, I have had to learn a whole new set of coping skills to cope with my anxiety because I have bipolar. Okay, sorry, my notes just here say the bathroom story, and I didn't go any more into that. Of course, I know what this means. This is during one of my most significant hypomanic periods. I couldn't sleep, and I decided that the logical course of action was to paint my bathroom. I did not consult the other people that live in this house. I did not calculate to make sure I had enough paint to finish the project. And as a result, a year later, my bathroom is still only half painted. The reality is that I, I, I hate painting. I, it's not an activity I enjoy. So I did the roller part and I've never edged the room in. I have never purchased more paint. It's just, it's just like that now. And that is because I can't decide what to do with it. I don't like the color that I painted it but I don't know what color I do want it to be. The diagnosis pro process. 
for me, I'd already been kind of in the process of trying to get something diagnosed for a while. I had depression symptoms that weren't going away, that weren't responding well to treatment. So we ruled out a lot of medical conditions. We'd found some medical conditions. But ultimately, my family doctor realized that it was more than we could handle in the general practice setting and referred me to a psychiatrist who eventually diagnosed me with bipolar. I wanted to say a few things about this year. It is, of course, 2020, and it has been a particularly challenging year. But even more so, I found, for managing my bipolar. One of my management tools is scheduling and routines and predictability, and this year has had none of those things. And to be honest, I was already in rough shape when March rolled around. And just somehow that initial shutdown where nobody was going anywhere was really, really difficult for me. It only took a few days before I was in a full-blown hypomanic episode. Landed myself in urgent care, getting changed prescriptions. I had to change psychiatrists. I could no longer go to therapy. Therapy is important, friends. And I couldn't go to therapy because therapy was closed. And even when things started getting set up and they were doing kind of Zoom appointments or phone appointments, I, being on the phone makes me anxious. And I, I mean, I can deal with it. I can call the doctor and book an appointment. But the anxiety that the situation caused was more than I could handle and have the therapy still be effective. I realized right away that it just wasn't working for me. And so it was a few months before I got kind of back into the swing of things. I definitely was not in a good place when that started. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Polarized. If you are also struggling with your mental health, Please know that you are not alone and there is help available to you. Take care of yourself and I'll see you next time.